Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact, way beyond the profits and margins, the leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timelkov. Welcome everyone on uh, the 23rd edition of The Leaders Who Care. Today's uh, like another very special episode. I have a, um, an awesome guest today, uh, a marathon runner, um, a leader who cares and uh, an honest uh, and um, extraordinary uh, human being that I've known for, for a number of years. Um, Denis Coupé, uh, thank you for joining today. And before I hand you over the microphone, I wanted to, well, not literally, but <laughs> pass you on. Um, I want to wish today is uh, actually the 3rd of March is the National um, Liberation Day of uh, Bulgaria. I want to wish all Bulgarians uh, a happy 3rd of March. And uh, you know, what a privilege and kind of great uh, to celebrate this day. So, uh, Denis, where are you joining us from? So I'm uh, joining uh, you from uh, the mountains in the Alps, uh, where I uh, am benefiting from uh, a great high-speed connection. Uh, sometimes working remote is uh, is a good way of uh, taking um, taking a step back on the daily business duties and uh, and experiencing outdoor and uh, a bit of uh, oxygen also at the same time. Thanks for inviting me, uh, Marianne, and uh, happy to uh, be with you today. Great. Well, um, Denis, uh, I've known you for, for many years, but the, the audience hasn't. Can you share a brief introduction about who is Denis and a little bit about your journey? Um, because how did you arrive to where you are? I mean, you're uh, leading as a chief technology officer, one of the most disruptive companies. And we want to hear more about green structures in a minute, but we want to hear your journey. Um, and obviously, I know it's a long one. <laughs> yeah, but, it's a long uh, one, so I will make a long story short. Um, I'm, I'm, I graduated as an engineer, uh, but I've always been uh, very um, driven by transformations and uh, making a difference. So uh, my uh, career started with Merlin-Jurin, the, the, the roots of the Schneider Electric Group, uh, a couple of uh, years back, a couple, couple of decades back, actually. And, uh, and then I, um, I had the chance to uh, also work in the automotive industry and then five years in HP in the IT world where I uh, gained a bit of exposure to the American culture, uh, still based in, in the Alps in Grenoble, uh, where we had the, the worldwide headquarters for the PC business of, uh, of HP mm -hmm. at that time. And um, I, um, I've always been in, in transformation uh, duties, uh, transforming supply chain, transforming procurement, transforming the way that HP was sourcing the, the components for the PCs. And then I got the, the opportunity to join a, a fresh company, which was a spin-off of Schneider. Uh, my relation with Schneider has always been uh, very close. And I was uh, in the UPS business of Schneider for uh, about mm -hmm. 10 years until Schneider acquired APC. Uh, mm -hmm. In USA, where I looked after the integration of APC, MG, UPS, and uh, Schneider together uh, to create a very, very large business. 
and um, I uh, moved then uh, back to the, the roots of uh, my career, which were the circuit breakers world in Schneider, where I uh, was given the chance to beat a very large business, uh, a line of business where we were looking after anything around uh, strategy, development, marketing for uh, a very large uh, range of products, which is uh, one of the leading ranges uh, in the world with a, with a huge market share and insane profit margins. So uh, after all of that, I had more or less uh, done everything uh, you can do in a large co corporation. Uh, I, I've been in very, very big organizations. I've driven large teams. And I had the opportunity to be at the core of uh, an innovation. And uh, I would call that uh, an experience because uh, it was an incubation. Schneider has created a vehicle to uh, develop innovation at the edge of Schneider Electric to mm -hmm. verify whether a, a business idea, an innovative uh, technology can uh, bring a difference and can be adopted by the market. So uh, we worked um, together with a couple of uh, colleagues as an, uh, an incubation team uh, and verified and proved that there was a business um, purpose for that innovation. And this is the way we created the green structure uh, around seven months back uh, with the support of Schneider and uh, financial investors. So. Uh, it's a big step from very big organizations to uh, today a, a startup that is backed by uh, large organizations. So we are at the corner of uh, uh, innovation, disruption in business models, technology, uh, and uh, financial, financial engineering. Amazing. Denis, um, um, what does it take uh, really to, uh, you know, leads and I know you're very passionate about technologies and uh, um, you are really uh, leading that as a CTO that one of the most disruptive companies in the field of sustainability and, and actually um, so what's uh, what attracted you first of all to, to green structures to that uh, mission and, and first even though it's a startup and backed by one of the most successful uh, well actually the most sustainable company in the world officially Schneider Electric well, you know, when you're in your 50s, you have the opportunity to make a difference and to uh, leverage your experience uh, to create something from scratch, because we are uh, actually developing a business uh, which is completely uh, emerging. Uh, it's, a, it's a complete disruption compared to the legacy businesses where uh, companies sell products for clients to use them. We are uh, intending to sell services and to completely change the way the people or the industrial uh, consume uh, energy, produce and consume energy. And uh, what it took is uh, the fact that we had the opportunity to capitalize on our knowledge in technology and to make that technology available to a, to a purpose, uh, that purpose being the energy transition. We strongly believe at Green Structure that there is a different way uh, to produce energy and to consume energy. And this is the reason why um, we combined our technology uh, knowledge and our experience to serve that purpose. And how, if you think about it, this is really a, a, what a great, uh, really a, a novel and, and, and a great, um, it's very tough problem to solve in, in many ways. But um, how, how is care, you know, connected to, you know, with sustainability and consumption? In, well, this is a this is a good question. It's all about the way we want um, to to 
leave the planet we are living on uh, behind us. Uh, I think that uh, we are getting we are we are gaining awareness every day about uh, the limitations of our consumption models uh, the limitations of uh, the grid power which is uh, very carbonized mm -hmm. differently according to the countries but there are places where it is still very carbonized um, and at the point in time you say well um, should i be uh, just reproducing uh, what i've been uh, the world i have been going in or um, is there a chance that i can uh, give uh, based on what I know and what I've learned from others, wh whether I can make a change on, on the industry. And we think that uh, there is something to play here. It's, it's about caring for uh, our kids and uh, the kids of our colleagues and the people who are going to come after us. You know, what you're talking about is how to build wealth for generations in, in that way. And uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not just about us today, and, but, but what about paving the way? And I know uh, it, the world has many problems, but it's a living organism. But I, I, you, I you think... You know, Ryan, it's, it's two options. Uh, either you say that it's too late and uh, anyway, we won't change anything because, uh, because global warming, because all of these big uh, negative uh, communications mm -hmm. and all of that. And anyway, what, what should we do for that? Um, we can keep on consuming the same energy as yesterday, uh, using plastic everywhere and, and not caring about uh, the planet we live on. Or we say, okay, I have a small contribution to do to that and uh, let's try it. I don't know if it's going to make a radical change. I don't know if my little contribution is going to be that that big that it would make a change, but, but I'll try it. And I cannot just um, let the chance go that I make a difference. What do you think? I mean, uh, from your perspective, Denis, and uh, you've seen and, and you're kind of leading that such a great uh, mission, a purpose-driven company. But what about for, you know, the individuals around the world? What do you think each individual can do on a daily basis to reduce the carbon footprint? Well, there are, there are basic things. I think uh, we all we all know what needs to be done. It's just a question of uh, making it happen. I was mentioning plastic bottles. It's also uh, the way we use electricity, the way we consume fuel uh, probably the way we were consuming uh, i mean using our, our cars uh, 10 years 20 years ago is not the same as today the way we were um, managing our garbage is different so i think there is a, an awareness today and thanks to the, the science and the technology and the communication that is made around that uh, which is just uh, changing and when I look at the generations after us, uh, I, I'm full of hope uh, that uh, the people behind us are going to be uh, to care more uh, about the planet that we do ourselves that, than we did ourselves. You're a great believer in technology and that's why you're obviously leading in technology but not just for the sake of technology. I think you, you of course have a you see technology as a great tool to solve a lot of those problems and challenges we face. Yes, technology technology can make a difference. Technology for technology is, to me, useless. Uh, technology, when it is applied uh, to making a change and making an impact, then it is becoming interesting. And to me, uh, technology is driving us towards uh, a lot of uh, improvements in the way we live. Uh, we just have to, to, to observe 
the way we live through the crisis um, and the pandemic today, uh, without the technology, without being together, connected on a uh, on a on a webcast uh, today, I mean, without technology, we would not have all of this. Without technology, um, older people would not be connected with their grandchildren. Or without technology, I would not be hiring people uh, in the U.S. Whereas, uh, just for the sake of fun. We, I, last time I flew a plane was about a year ago, uh, flying back from Boston, and, and I was not imagining uh, what would happen. But nevertheless, uh, we've kept on hiring, we've kept on working. We uh, raised capital in the middle of the pandemic, thanks to technology. And if we look at the te what technolo the technology is delivering to us as capabilities, it's just amazing. You're absolutely right. In fact, and uh, you know, often I mean, in crisis, people may kind of focus on what they don't have <laughs> versus what they have in that aspect. But, but I, I can see that the technology makes a huge difference. And uh, uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, what is your advice to leaders today, especially in that? Um, what are the struggles they face? Do you think, from your perspective, and uh, uh, what is what is the, your advice to kind of prepare? And, and come out of this uh, crisis? Well, I think the crisis is teaching us something uh, very clear. We cannot keep on uh, doing things the same way as we were doing them the day before or, or, or the year before. And if we, um, if we try to reproduce uh, the way we've always been working or the way we've done things in the past, uh, it, we will fail. And uh, the crisis is learning us that is teaching us that actually we need to reinvent ourselves every day, and and we should be afraid of um, uh, not changing. And uh, to me, to me, change is a is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, change is the only option uh, in the context, and there are things that we need to uh, ground that change upon. But the, but the change is the only way. We cannot survive if we don't change. And I believe that today the people who are in, in the most difficult situation are the people who do not embrace change with hope. And, and this is my belief. We need to see change as an opportunity. And whatever, uh, and we were talking of technology and the pandemic. I know that the pandemic has put many, many people and corporations in uh, big trouble, uh, personally, uh, professionally, and so on. But on the other hand, when you look at um, the speed and the acceleration that the technology gained and the digitization gained thanks to the pandemic, it's just unbelievable. Let, let's look at the, the positive side of things because we cannot, we cannot just look at the negatives. If we look at the negatives, we're going we're gonna to go nowhere. And also, you know, maybe the fact that the planet needed to take a break from <laughs> from kind of all this pollution in that sense, you know, we're seeing some, you know, from environment, clean air point of view, and maybe that uh, slowed down a little bit more the, the, the global warming and maybe saved us from a much bigger crisis later on. We don't know. There's many things that uh, could have worked out for, for the best. And you're absolutely right. It, uh, helped us a lot to start and also gives us a bit more time to self-reflect as well, you know, and, and say, hey, what is the life we want to live <laughs> and appreciate more of what we have? Yes, the, you know, uh, I think there are things we, we cannot fight against. Uh, none of us um, 
can do anything about having the virus and the pandemic and the COVID. COVID is here, we cannot deny it. And, and I mean, we have no influence on the way, the, the situation in which we are today. The only thing is that we need to manage what we have an influence on and we should not um, try to control what is uncontrollable. And we should focus our energy on what is controllable so that we make a difference. And, and by using our energy, trying to change things which we cannot change, um, we are losing our energy that could be uh, profitable for something much better. Absolutely. And uh, since you lead, obviously, and, and you've been uh, great in, as you mentioned, attracting, building an organization in the midst of pandemic, you are one of those, uh, let's say, successful, uh, great, great success cases, if you like, in uh, uh, during the pandemic uh, time. And, and I know you, you were able to do some exceptional uh, things, attracting great talents and, and also building a team. Um, tell us, uh, you know, how do you do that? What was your kind of recipe to, to, that, to that success? And, uh, you know, how does it work for you? Well, uh, um, beyond, beyond the support that you gave me, uh, Marianne, in some cases, uh, I think that uh, the, the core of all of that is, uh, is authenticity and uh, trying to find um, a, a match with people on uh, the purpose that they're working for. And uh, it's not a question of uh, finding competent people because there are plenty of competent people, uh, but you need to find competent people with the right knowledge, but also uh, with the right uh, drive and, and purpose driven uh, in, in the same direction. Otherwise, you're trying to make things work, which have no chance to work. And then if I may, because obviously I had a chance to see you in different situations and uh, um, you, you have also another number of great qualities, but one of them is you, you, you're candid. You always, whatever, when something wasn't right, you always would, would share it. And, and I greatly appreciated that. That's been like gold for us, but also for, for the candidates. And, and I'm sure it's, I hope is also well received. And the same for any organization you support or supply as well, because I know sometimes the truth may be painful, but I believe everybody should have a person like you in their life, <laughs> you know, to tell them where they stand, regardless of, uh, um, you know, they, sh they should have a Dini in their life in the sense of telling them, hey, th this is what uh, worked, this is what didn't, this is why, you know, but, you know, in a kind of a really quite open and, and honest way. Well, thanks for, thanks for the kind words. Uh, I, I think to be, to be candid and to be saying, things the way we see them uh, is is uh, just a basic uh, rule of uh, communication and relationship to others. If you start lying to people, if you start keeping things for yourself, not sharing your emotions, not sharing uh, your perception, good or bad, on uh, the way you interact with others, then then it's it's you are you are kind of fooling people, and and as soon as, soon as you fool people, uh, that that they won't trust you. So my way of my way of being is is very easy. Um, there, there, I had some managers in the past who said, "Well, with the knee, you know what you get and you know what you don't get." Uh, but but the, <laughs> the predictability uh, is is one of uh, my my um, 
driving forces because I mean people know and when I've got something to say I say it and when I don't say anything it's because I don't have to say anything sometimes I say too much but um, that's that's uh, because of the passion uh, but but the feedback is a feedback the feedback is a gift good or bad and uh, I always um, I'm very I'm trying to be very transparent honest candid as you say it uh, with people so that they understand uh, how to interact with me I'm actually giving them a couple of keys to work with me and it's um, it's also uh, something that is important if you just keep on hiding yourself hiding the your, yourself and and not sharing the way you are um, you're not giving uh, the right uh, keys for the people to work with you and I don't want that to happen I don't want any obstacle in, in, in between the people and me uh, when when it comes to working and living together I'm sure you had a number of difficult situations as well with uh, being candid and, and open and that, what, you know, tell us one of the, was there a moment when you care, you know, because for me, that's a form of care, you know, being honest and transparent and being candid was kind of put to the test. Tell us a really a, a situation where, you know, kind of shaped you, you know, and, and helped you out, but it was a very difficult one for you to overcome. Well, sometimes, uh, yes, I, I remember very precise moments where um, I was actually not sharing what my feelings and so on. And all of a sudden, I don't know why on that one particular day, I said, well, why should I keep that for me? And uh, that was in a group of people where um, they were, they were, I was, I was much younger than today, but uh, I was saying to myself, is my opinion uh, less valuable than the opinion of all of these people who are talking and uh, they don't know what they're talking about? And, and you know, you say, well, it's, it's about self-confidence and, uh, and caring about the, the, the impact you can do with your own opinion. And um, if you can share something that people don't have a clue about, it's, it's also an opportunity to make your group improve. And my view on that is very simple. Um, if you don't share your views uh, with the people around you, you're not you. You just um, keep for yourself a chance for the group uh, to improve. So, yes, um, it's it's important that also you you get connected to the people and uh, you. Uh, decode also the other's emotions so if you don't pay any attention to the people around you and the way they're expressing things and the way they are they can share or not share or refrain or try to hide their emotions it's also giving you a lot of uh, information about the people uh, that you're inter interacting with and sometimes it's um it's very valuable in in the reactions you can have with the people so this is you know, very interesting because I'm, you know, if you give a lot of, I mean, as you mentioned, there's a lot of change happening very fast and especially with Generation Z upcoming and uh, I think more and more you're seeing that it's not enough just to be a good brand, to attract talent, but also retain them. You, you need a lot more. They don't want to be just employed. They want to contribute, co-create. They want to, they look at the, the, the leader they follow. They look at the team. They look at the purpose and the scale of it. So there's a number of things that are coming into, into play uh, here whenever you, you really um, uh, kind of attract those talent. And they need, 
coming back to kind of your advice to those up and coming leaders or, or future generation, um, that's great to, to be able to share your opinion in a group. Um, of course, probably in a respectful way, we need to do that <laughs> and advise. Yeah, constructive and, and, and respectful yeah, always. Uh, of course, but that's a great advice. What else would you, um, you know, kind of advise them to to do? To um, to to leave uh, preconceived ideas away. Um, we were talking of recruitment and and attracting talents. Um, I love going uh, to to meet meeting the younger generation, the people who are in the engineer school, in the business school. To understand their motivation, their rationales, understand uh, what they are looking for as an employer, uh, because the companies that hired us uh, a couple of decades back uh, are not the companies that they want to work with. And um, we need to understand um, the difference in between recruiting an engineer fresh out of school um, 20 years back and uh, what, it, what it means today. It's absolutely not the same situation. And what the, the younger generation is looking for, if we do not, as leaders, uh, pay sufficient attention to uh, the inner motivation of the new generation, and I'm talking of purpose, um, working, I mean, working for, for work-life balance. Um, I've, we, were, we were hired for um, uh, pressure, um, mm -hmm. invest, personal investment, money, um, shine brand image and so on today the people are that, that are out of schools uh, they are looking for balance they are looking for purpose they are looking for uh, understanding of their contribution they are looking for care and and this is a completely different way of uh, sourcing the candidates uh, and and the leaders that will uh, take uh, take over after us Amazing, like, uh, like an old guy, but uh... <laughs> no, we have a question here, and uh, Stan, thank you for sharing this. But uh, he wanted to ask you, what are the top three leadership lessons that you would um, you would share, you know, to the younger version of yourself that is just starting their career? Well, uh, the the number one value is consistency and uh not trying to be uh anybody else than what than whoever you are and uh you are who you are and uh, as soon as you start cheating with others and cheating with yourself at, at the same time this is um compromising um the opportunity of of people appreciating you for who you are and sometimes uh you may not uh, be appreciated uh, by everybody because because people may not always like uh, who you are, but at least uh, you know who you are and, and you need to, to keep strong on that. Um, then um, sharing and motivating people, um, giving, giving sense and purpose to what they do uh, in a team. And I would say the third thing is creating a context for the people to uh, be at their best. To me, there is a... Hmm. There is a major leadership um, uh, pattern, uh, which is to provide to the people a certain uh, environment. I'm not saying of comfort, but mm -hmm. uh, to feel uh, protected and to feel understood and to to be put in um, 
the best con uh, context to succeed. Uh, it's not a question of having a leader who knows uh, at least as well as anybody in his team uh, how to do things. And I can tell you as, as a CTO today, I cannot pretend and I do not want to pretend that I know technology like anybody in my team would be knowing technology, each of them uh, in, his, in his own field. But um, we need to detect um, the people who have that knowledge and put them in the right context. So if people have uh, personal constraints that they need to work around, if we just ignore them, uh, they will not contribute as much. So to me, I feel myself as a, as a manager in the situation of a coach uh, who needs to put uh, talents in the best position on the play field so that they contribute to the success of the team. It's not a question of um, uh, getting into the field and scoring all of the goals myself. Uh, it's making sure that each of them has a contribution, has, an has the right understanding of his contribution to the success of his team and feel comfortable. So any bad thought, any constraint on a personal contribution should be removed. And if people need to take a nap uh, at the beginning of the afternoon, because that's the way they are, they need to take their nap because they will be far more productive after the nap than uh, if they are not taking it, even if, uh, again, some years back, uh, that kind of practice was not good. But if today there are people who, who feel better after and they will contribute more. So, I mean, I'm taking the nap as an example. People feel like uh, going running. You mentioned uh, running at the beginning of this discussion, but each of us has his own personal uh, rituals uh, to feel better. And, and these rituals are to be understood and accepted by the environment in which you work. And so to me, these are the three um, directions I would propose. Amazing. And when you talk about rituals and, and obviously uh, care, and what are your rituals? What are the things that keep you active, productive uh, at your best? Because I have seen you, Denis, you have been put into extraordinary situations and, and long you know, hours and, and, and very tough moments. And uh, um, maybe the fact that you're a marathon runner has helped you because you can run for a long time. But, but yeah, what works for you? Well, um, I, I have, uh, you know, I worked in the, uh, as a leader in the circuit breaker industry. The circuit breaker is uh, here to protect your circuits and you, and you reclose the circuits when uh, the temperature has cooled down. So I'm, I'm, I'm having my own circuit breakers. Uh, I go running uh, sometimes on the weekend. I need to switch off because I need to just think of completely differently, uh, different things care about my family, have the right balance and uh, and be together with friends without uh, being that much uh, engaged as I can be in the week on uh, long, long days. Uh, but sometimes I may take a break, go running or uh, just at the moment, you would not believe, but these are my rituals. I try to keep exercising on a regular basis uh, because so I put myself high level of targets. Uh, uh, on, a, on a say outdoor uh, exercising uh, standpoint, and uh, and I, I, that that drives me to uh, consistency and application in uh, in training, because sometimes when it's dark and uh, raining, you don't feel like going out running, but um, when you have targets, you go, and and at the end, you're happy that you went. It's it's all about resilience and. Uh, 
endurance and also uh, consistency in uh, execution mm. of these rituals. I love what you said here. And uh, of course, the metaphor, you know, of having your own circuit breakers is uh, is wonderful. Not every leader is blessed to have worked in a circuit breaker kind of environment, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> environment in that sense. And, and that's why I want to ask you, what, what would be your, you know, what kind of support do you think um, the leaders most need today? You know, for, because they care for so many in that sense. Uh, and you know it's we talk about in individuals and people in our teams but what about when you are in in a position of leading and, and that kind of responsibility what do you think they can do to be at the optimal well as as we discussed earlier it's it's a question of uh, being able to change paradigm and to to embrace new ways of working and to and to accept that what was working yesterday is not working today and you need to reinvent something every day if you insist in trying to make things work that have no chance to work uh, so it's it's really uh, change adoption and and being a change believer and also not trying to change things that cannot be changed uh, mm. you know I, i've um, I've got a, a principle in life that I learned a long time ago. Uh, I was, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell a small story here. Uh, I was in, in India, in a very large city in India. I was in a taxi. Um, we had a dinner with the team and um, we were in a big traffic jam. And the traffic jam was making us very, very late for dinner. And I was, I was, I was getting completely uh, mad at that saying well we should be there already and so on and the the guy in my team was with me in the taxi was saying well Denny, you should worry for what you can control so i keep um, i keep that uh, very very uh, deep in me uh, i worry for what i can control and i don't lose my energy trying to uh, control what i cannot control so what what i cannot control is something i, I need to deal with but i i keep my energy for what i can control and i accept the rest as something that that is uh, out of my uh, change potential or change capabilities. So this this enables me to be uh, much more uh, energized on things that I believe I can make an impact on and uh, accept. And there are things that we need to accept. And, and even if you don't like them, you need to accept. I mean, like I was saying about the pandemic, uh, we need to accept it. And we are not going to control it. And, and very often, I'm having these discussions. My kids also have that, that way of seeing things now. They, they care about what they can control. And the rest is the rest. And I love what you just said earlier about leaders. And, and you also mentioned about environments, creating environment they feel safe and uh, really kind of how, how they can, you know, really, uh, because if they kind of care um, for their team, the day team will care for themselves, for, for the leader as well. It's like, you know, it, it's creating that place and environment. The risk is uh, that you would believe naively that uh, people have the same motivations as you. So mm. uh, I can ask somebody to go running with me um, because I love it and because I can run hours, uh, but that's not because I love it and I can run hours that people would love it running hours with me. So. Uh, when I feel a context is something that I like or something that I feel good in, uh, it's not because I am good in that context. 
that everybody will be good in the same context. So we need to find, to, to create an environment where people feel comfortable, but their environment, their area, their zone of uh, performance, instead of trying to impose your own zone of performance to people who have a different zone of performance. So uh, to me, one of the big differences is to, to be able to read and decode where each person in a team has his own uh, performance area and uh, of performance environment and, and do everything so that without compromising the balance of the team, everybody is in his own uh, zone. You know, doesn't that start with school? Because with, at school, we are kind of thought quite generically. And, and then, you know, unless you're in some very special, you know, school where it's tailored towards your, your needs and, and perhaps talents, um, which is, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, do you think that we have roots in the way we've been learning, perhaps? Yes, probably. But to me, the difference is not in what we learn at school. Uh, what we learn at school uh, is mm -hmm. the base for what we become. Uh, it gives it gives more an indication of what you're um, uh, leaning towards, uh, whether you're more business or technical or individual or managerial. So that that is a pattern which is revealed by school but what makes a difference is what you do beyond school to me because we all get this more or less a package at school and and then people are going to do something with it and by by the way when when looking for talents uh, to me the maybe the the university background is something interesting uh, but this is not what i'm focusing on uh, what i'm focusing on is what the people have as uh, beliefs what the people have as interests mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and sometimes uh, uh, a higher education uh, may not be a person may not be as good as somebody else just because of the center of interest and the balance um, taking somebody who had uh, who has, ex who has done um, sports to high level of competition and so on, usually people are more balanced. So what I'm really looking at in talents is, is the balance more than the package that they received at school. Because mm -hmm. school is preformatting us uh, all in a given, um, I mean, it's delivering us a, a given package, nothing, nothing more. Well, thank you for sharing those insights because these are essentials. And how do you retain and, uh, you know, really, and, and we have a, a great question here again for those students who are interested here. And I wanted to say many people are struggling today due to prolonged lockdown, working from home, global COVID crisis. How do we change the way we lead people and address these new challenges appropriately? Which comes down to, I guess, it's a very critical way of leading them if you want to retain and, and unlock their performance in a way. Um. There's one uh, fundamental change again here. Uh, you're not going to be together with the people in an office uh, to look over their shoulder and check that they're working or, or not working. Uh, even if the tools that we've got today let you see if you're connected or not. Uh, but, but when people are at home, they're at home. So we need to trust them. So you need to create an environment where uh, you're not starting uh, checking that people work, but uh, you create a context where you have uh, 
the deliverable more than the visibility on how the people are doing. And, and then you create regular connection points. And by the way, uh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years back, having that kind of pandemic uh, in without the technology that we have today would have been very, very difficult, much more difficult to handle than today. But the, the managerial habits, uh, it can be rituals. I've got people which uh, in my team, which I, I see on the web, uh, on on, uh, on Teams meetings uh, on a daily basis uh, for 15, 30 minutes. Uh, each, but not all of them, because not all of them like working like this. So it's it's more on demand, but we need to be very adaptive. But the first uh, prerequisite for all of this is to trust that the people uh, uh, are at home working. And I think that uh, if we start with this assumption, then uh, things can go well. Uh, but then we should also uh, read the the low signal and and when people are at home sometimes uh, they may feel not that comfortable with the lack of social connections and so on and and through teams meeting through the video I keep on uh, one ritual I always switch my camera on uh, wherein when we are in teams meeting um, it's just to make sure that the people uh, have a visual contact uh, otherwise uh, you, you, there are a lot of things in the body language, in the, in the reading of the people that you miss. No, well, thank you for sharing this, Denis. And uh, in terms of really, you've done a lot, you've seen a lot, Denis, and you're, you're embraced on a great mission. But what excites you at this moment in time? What, what is your, what gives you that energy and motivation today? Uh, simply um, transform things for the better uh, of what we're doing. Um, I, I am not the kind of guy to take a situation which is uh, uh, close to uh, perfect and bring it to perfection uh, because because I need to find my motivation in profound transformations. Uh, and, and if we can use uh, what we learned, uh, after, you know, after 30 years career, when you can start uh, um, leveraging what you've learned, making it available uh, for a given purpose and uh, to create something that is going to to survive you um, when when we retire. Uh, this is this is the purpose I'm looking for today. So uh, this is the reason why um, you make your mind uh, when that kind of opportunity is is um, ahead. Um, changing from a large organization, um, comfortable end of career uh, to a venture uh, and, and the level of pressure that we can have in a startup, uh, it's, it's fantastic. So motivation is in the transformation. Motivation is in the creation and in the buildup of something which has uh, not been done yet. And that on top of it can, uh, can, can make me leave something behind do things you've never done before but also impacting positively the world and behind yeah, you yeah that's that's what i mean with leave something behind me um making an impact yes great and then you were looking at uh, the future because this is you know in many ways you like looking backwards but also looking forward um what do you think we can do to really uh, spread the care culture It's a, it's a, 
it's a learning it's trying it a couple of times testing it with people that you feel are more uh, likely to play the game and open a bit uh, when you give keys to others you expect others to give keys to you so uh, that is, you cannot declare that overnight. You cannot decide that tomorrow you're going to care about people because uh, because you heard it on a podcast. So um, you need to realize by yourself um, that that it is something that works. And uh, and and if you're not spontaneously, natively um, inclined to doing it uh, naturally, uh, then you test it with a couple of people that you believe are sufficiently close to you to uh to try things and do some experiments because uh experimenting is learning and uh if you're learning you're improving amazing well that absolutely and you know you might like it and actually <laughs> you know we had a great uh guest and said you know what the, the biggest benefit for the person who cares is actually the one who cares to me, it's very valuable to see people around me um, gaining from the relationship we have. And uh, when I have people that I worked with 10, 20 years ago uh, that give me a, a call or send me a text message saying, oh, you know, I was in a situation I would have loved you to be with me because you would have been proud of me uh, because I was thinking about how you would have ended that situation yourself. And uh, you inspired me today and, and we've not met for 20 years and I got that from time to time or people who say, you know, one, one day you, you unleashed me in doing something. And today I'm doing this because, because you unlocked something in me. Well, I get that kind of message and it's very, I'm, I'm feeling grateful for that. How do you I mean, Denis, how do you achieve that? I mean, it's like, it's one thing attracting. And then you said you are generally interested in people uh, and, and you, you kind of, uh, really go deep and find purpose conviction you, you're very curious and, and you look for that but but how about how do you develop others because that's to me is an example of uh, of profound care where you actually spend the time to share and help someone learn how to deal with situations rather than just telling them how to deal with it well, it, it all starts with curiosity and um, interest in others to understand what is their motivation, what are their uh, um, ways of doing things. So, so this comes, uh, this is the prerequisite. And then uh, you need to understand um, the, the patterns uh, of uh, performance of the people and really drive them towards what they're good at doing. And, um, and, mm. and if you find that, that acceleration path uh, towards performance, and, and each of us has a different path to performance, uh, the problem is that sometimes we need to push people towards directions, in directions that are not their performance path. So what I believe is that if you are curious enough, if you start decoding uh, the people and understand what is going to make them perform, then it's easier for you as a manager uh, or as a leader or as a, a, a teammate um, to put them in a context where they are going to perform and develop because when you perform, you develop. Uh, so so it's, it's a question of uh, not trying to force people in uh, paths and ways and practices which are not theirs, but really mm -hmm. finding the, the, the best way for the people to uh, develop based on their 
the way they are themselves, not the way we want them to be. You know, I always um, kind of thought, how, how do you bring people's, how do you unite people's strengths or superpowers with passions? So, but now you said something else that was missing here, context, because that's all good. People can have certain strengths. They have passion, but if it's the context, if you don't put them in a context or, or, or in a way that, or create that, you may want to think that's the way it's done, but that's not their path. Uh, and and how, how to get to, <laughs> you know, because they're passionate to achieve it. They may have the ability to do it, but they still might not do it. Well, that's a difficult question because sometimes you don't realize how you get people in that context. Uh, mm. But that context is um, everything about the the unexpressed qualities. The people are not going to tell you, this is the way I work, this is where I perform, this is why I'm not performing. Um, you need to have a bit of uh, uh, intuition uh, and also test with people because sometimes you may you may put them in the direction or help them go in a direction which is not theirs and you realize quickly that it's not the way they, are, they perform. So um, I think there is a lot of uh, intuition, trial and error, and, and also uh, feel for the people. Um, and, and, and sometimes you do mistakes uh, because, because you don't understand mm -hmm. or you made, uh, you had a, a different way of, uh, or, or the two ways of seeing performance were not compatible, it happens also. So it, it, you need also to accept that uh, you cannot, uh, nobody is a magician with people. Huh? Uh, so people have a, their own way to perform. And uh, if you want them to perform in a different way, uh, that's manipulation that you're trying to do um, for, for the for the best, but but still it's manipulation and it will not work. No, I think it's very important. And thank you for sharing that because um, we all want, you know, something off the shelf sometimes and say, hey, you know what, let's apply it and work, you know, but people are obviously uh, uh, living organisms and they, they're complex and, you know, it, it, but that's also part of the joy. I think it's to learn to be curious and to enjoy the process of decoding and finding how to unlock um, people's, you know, best uh, performance and in a way that you, you you really interact and, and create those situations. I, I think purpose is uh, one of the key components. Uh, purpose is the fuel for that because if people yeah. are not motivated, uh, if they don't. You're not going to tell them the path. You're not going to uh, show them the way. You are going to tell them this is uh, one way of doing it. And, and either they have the motivation and the understanding of the purpose and they go towards it or or it doesn't work. But but you're not going to impose a path and impose a way uh, to, to anybody. At least that's not my way of doing it. Great. Well, thank you. This is uh, very helpful. And Denis? What is your um, vision for, you know, a, a better future, you know, like short term, you know, and, and maybe more mid and long term? Well, short term, a better future for me is uh, the day when uh, I will be able to meet uh, with my team uh, and, and, uh, and spend some good time together because we've built, we are building a team, we are assembling 
fantastic talents. Uh, we've not had the opportunity to meet with most of them. Uh, so uh, short term, I just hope that uh, we'll get uh, that, that crisis behind us uh, quickly and that we'll find a way to exit the crisis uh, constructively, maybe using the planet a bit differently because we've, we've made a lot of progress through the, the crisis. Uh, I think it would be a shame to go backwards uh, after and go back to our bad habits, uh, maybe flying less often. Uh, there, there are very simple things which uh, we can we can do and make a change. And uh, when I remember years back when we were saying well, we need to travel that much, and um, no, sometimes I'm not saying that we don't need to travel to meet people and and to to exchange, but. Uh, some, somehow it's a demonstration that uh, we can do a lot over the uh, over uh, video conferences and so on. And then for the future, I hope that uh, the uh, this awareness, this collective awareness about um, global warming and the planet and uh, and what we can do as individuals and corporations uh, is going to to help us uh, do something uh, uh, really impactful. And you know um, when we see Today, I'm I'm very hopeful, uh, like always, on the fact that uh, there is there is this awareness which we never saw before. The ESG goals of the big corporations are now taking over some some profit goals. Um, we can see it when we are talking about the the green energy that the people are going to consume, industrial are going to consume. Sometimes um, they are putting that contribution to their ESG goal uh, goals above uh, anything else and uh, and this is for me creating a lot of uh, of hope that uh, things are going to be di done differently and and you can see it in the valuation of the companies in in the stock prices uh, companies which uh, have a purpose and uh, which uh, really uh, commit on changing uh, the way they consume the planet are uh, definitely going to uh, gain uh, more uh, and and I be strongly believe in that and all of that is a combination of technology leadership for change and uh, uh, finance or capital power uh, behind that because to me the energy transition is uh, can can be uh, catalyzed uh, by the power of uh, the capital that needs to be injected into that transition and it is available uh, the only thing is that it needs to be correctly proposed. Well, Denis, first of all, thank you for uh, attempting to solve this problem and, you know, doing what you're doing first, because that's that's on its own. We know it's a major challenge and that three degree temperature increase, in my mind, is at the top of our problems of, as a humanity. If we don't solve this out in the next 15, 20 years, we, we may not be able to build rockets to go to Mars, as we say. And I, and I think it's important to really get collectively, you know, maybe more complex challenge than actually to build a, the rocket to to explore the, the, the universe beyond. It's it's but together I think can be can happen with a lot of good examples. And as you said, the resilience, not giving up, not going backwards, um, uniting and uh, more great really uh, initiatives and uh, good stories to be spread around that, that we see the impact of the environment. So uh, and um, Really sincerely thank you for sharing all these insights of your uh, journey so far and uh, thank you for making the time joining today. 
Thank you, Marianne, for giving Thank me you. the chance for giving me this chance of uh, sharing my uh, hope and my belief in the transition, and uh, we can live in a better world tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. Find out more about the leaders who care across the main social media channels, and help us spread the care culture in your own community. First, by taking care of yourself, and then of others around you. It all starts with one person, one act of kindness. What is one thing you can do today to make your environment better? Stay inspired and stay caring. See you next time.